0: Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that there were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, EveryPlate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste. You know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let EveryPlate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. EveryPlate helps me do just that. veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try EveryPlate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Today's episode is sponsored by Soma Vedic. Somovetic devices rely on frequency therapies and the healing powers of precious and semi-precious stones and metals to create a natural energy field to harmonize your home.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Sarah James, a beauty blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about two women trying to tackle better self-care. We are both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet we find it elusive. And while we may have all the info we need, we don't always get there. From the silly to the serious, we are taking a vulnerable yet humorous look at body, mind, and spirit. And maybe a touch of the random,
0: all while looking at the distractions and defenses that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys, well, I am here in person with Sarah James. she's on
1: vacation and we're doing a little marathon we're doing a marathon recording session Mm -hmm. and by marathon i mean two just two (laughs) we'll be done though after two we're gonna go to lunch after this we'll probably sit there and stare at each other and not even say a word but we're going to true food kitchen which you know i don't have in oklahoma so excited and they have the most delicious organic cocktails they do the best cocktails strawberry rhubarb margarita three words you guys Strawberry, rhubarb, margarita. Well, I have to say a
0: side note since we're talking about true foods that Mm -hmm. both you and I are in love with the true foods cookbook.
1: The best. It's such a good. cookbook. I think it's been a two thumbs up for both of us. Um, Yes, and I give it as a gift every Christmas to somebody. The best. That soup, chicken sausage fennel. The best soup. It's what I make when anyone comes over, and I feel like I'm really special, and they think, okay, we're going to have to link that book up again. Let's do that again. Love it, but I cannot wait to go to True Foods. Yes. Yes. Well, how is your self care going? Well, you know, since we this is this is our recording too of the yes. day, I was just talking about earlier about you know the little weight uh-huh. redistrib- redistribution uh-huh. of my body, and I'm doing the workout, the uh-huh. T25, I'm doing all the things. But I will say this: I'm, I'm going to be like really honest here, and it's something I'm having to really monitor. I'm sitting here saying I'm doing all the work, right. and I'm eating right, but the fact of the matter is. <laughs> I'm a snacker. Oh boy, me too. Okay. I am a out of control snacker during certain points of the day. What points are those? Three to five. Yes. Three to five PM. Yes. And what I'll do is I'll say, "Hmm, I want to eat something and I will be, well, I'm going to be healthy about it and I'll get out some celery stalks and eat some hummus and eat all that. And then it's like, I just, all of a sudden it's like the floodgates open Yeah. I start eating everything. I start eating like veggie sticks of my kids, like puffed. P- I mean, just mm-hmm. so much snacking, so much intake Pirates of calories. Foodie. Oh, pi- yeah. Just processed <laughs> yeah. crap. Yeah. Crap. Peanut butter, protein bars. Um, I, I literally just start shoving things yeah. in my mouth. And then I'm full. But then I start making dinner yep. for the family. And then I'm like, what the hell? I'll eat dinner. This is good. Yeah. Even when I'm not hungry. Right. So I'm like really calorie loading from like three p.m. on, uh-huh. and I know that's a problem. Yeah, like I need to cut back, but I kind of really, I feel like it is a slight addiction. Like I can't, yeah. I can't, I I can't control myself. I can't stop myself from snacking. Yeah. I really can't. Oh, I I hear you. I mean, so what's I, up with that? I can't even keep foods that I like in my house. Yeah. Oh
0: so my gosh. what I end up doing is I'll buy the bars that the children like that I don't like. That's smart. Like I can't have a bag of pirates booty in the house. I'll eat the whole bag. Oh
1: my gosh. Tell me about it. So
0: I have the same issue. The only difference is I have no food in the house. So from three to five, I just keep going into the pantry and keep going into the pantry. <laughs>
1: I'm coming <laughs> there. That's better than what I'm doing. I will say, yeah, the majority of my kids' snacks I'll buy with gluten in them. Yeah. So uh, I eat them. Because yeah. I am pretty good about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just snacking, but I, I'm telling you this because I have my, I have, I have a way to get out of this. Okay. Okay. And it's, it's a, it's a two thumbs up. Okay. I did this last time. This is another thing, but, um, on prime day. Yes. On Amazon prime day. Yes. I bought an espresso Virtuo plus. Like okay. An espresso machine. Yeah. an espresso. Yes. Now, you know, I do not drink caffeine. I haven't. Nor do I. Same. You know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess in my head, I was just thinking there probably weren't decaf. Oh, options. there are. Yeah. Okay. This thing, I I got it for ninety nine bucks. It was such nice. a good deal. Um, I think normally it's like one seventy five or something. This has changed my life. Yeah. Because these espresso machines, and this one's like a smaller one, you know, but it does all different types of drinks. Oh, you fun. just fill up the water. Uh huh. Um. Like. It creates its own foam. Yes. Without milk. I know. It, I, yeah. So when my espresso drink comes out, you can pick, there's all different, different, what do you call those things? Pods. Yep. For different sizes. Yeah. So I'll pick like this and it it froths out the water. So it's super frothy and yeah. creamy and I'm not a big sugar person. So I don't really need anything. Yeah. To um, sweeten, sweeten it up. Mm-hmm. If I do, maybe I'll just put like a little bit of coconut milk, which is just that's, that's enough sweet for me. But I found that's what I'm doing now. Nice. Three o'clock. There you go. I'm making myself this lovely decaf espresso drink. Nice. I drink it slowly. Um, It's not. It's not. It hasn't gotten rid of all of my snack. Yeah. But I feel like maybe it's a treat. Yeah. Yeah. Now, have you ever gotten on the iced coffee kick? No, but now I feel like I can. I can do this with the. Yeah. Well, because I have just like a.
0: Kind of like a French press iced coffee mm-hmm. maker. And mm-hmm. so what's funny is my kids will make it because they love it too. Mm-hmm. So we'll just you do it at night, put the coffee in, you pour the water in. Oh, and was a two thumbs up for you before? It was, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you have a pitcher of iced coffee all day. But I find that that in the mid-afternoon, and I'll put Wait. a little almond milk in it so it yeah. feels like it's substantial, substantial,
1: right? Yes. And that will help me get through the day. That's what I love about this machine. I mean, I knew nothing about Nespresso or espresso machines in general. I just didn't. And I just can't believe how creamy and yes. frothy, yeah. it tastes just from a pod of espresso. I know it's weird. There's nothing like it. My boyfriend has a machine too. Yeah, I it's, mean, it, it was the best money I have ever yeah. spent because now I can special. It's nine, nine bucks, even at even at hundred and seventy five dollars. I if that's I mean, if you go to Starbucks, like you're gonna make up that cost in, in less a, month. Than a month. Yep. For yeah. sure. and I was starting to go to Starbucks more and more. Yeah, um, my husband's like, "What's the deal?" I'm like, uh-huh. "I don't know. I want this." And now that's gone. Like, I don't yeah. have to do that. I make my own thing, even in the morning. Like, I just I never had like a drink. You, you're a big tea drinker, yeah, Big tea, and I love tea too. But I kind of I love the taste uh-huh. of espresso. I love that bitterness that yes. you can't really get from coffee uh, from yep. tea. So anyway, it's been helpful. I've been doing that. I, I wait. Like, I might have one in the morning and have another one. Yeah. You know, because I'm like, it's fine. It's decaf. It doesn't have oh, any caffeine in I it. Now I wish I'd bought that on Prime Day. Oh, but how, how do they make it so creamy, Kristen? I know. It's, it's so, so creamy. It's so weird. Spice. You
0: would think there's milk in it and there's not. I know. I'm going to look and see yeah, how much so it's, it's, $1. $168, it's $168 right, 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 right now,
1: now, which is still on sale. Yeah. Because it's $199 full price. You guys, it is so, so worth it. I'm tempted. Um, the, the deal I got was the for $99 was that plus an entire like array of oh all of their gosh. stuff which I knew I couldn't enjoy because I don't drink caffeine right but Dustin's popped
0: by the way Sarah did you know that across from true foods is an espresso store no way yeah
1: so we might oh have to God. pop have in, to in, there. in there yeah yeah let's do it <laughs> so anyway I'm, I'm trying to remedy my snacking problems with an espresso that's yeah that's good that's one. What I'm doing so tell me what's going on with you
0: uh, well, okay. So, you know, I am in another cycle of flagged mammogram. Oh my gosh. It never ends. It never ends. I, oh. Sarah and I both have dense breast tissue, which means our mammograms are pretty much always flagged. Yeah. And then you have to go for
1: more testing. And which so, I just got denied health insurance because of this, by the way. Oh my gosh. So it's like, uh, it's the worst. That's fun. But tell me, okay, so you told me that there was an MRI. We talked about
0: this. Yes. So so normally what happens for me is I get a flat am- mammogram, then they send me for ultrasound, and then they say, okay, we're going to monitor this, and then they bring me back in mm-hmm. six months, and then they compare it to the previous, and they're like, oh, everything that was there is gone now, so you're fine, you're fine. You're not cancer. Well, this time, what's funny is they saw a shadow on the mammogram, then they put me to ultrasound to try to find it mm-hmm. and and confirm what it is or see it. They couldn't see anything on the ultrasound. Mm-hmm. They like wiped jelly and rubbed the ultrasound on me forty minutes. Couldn't find 40 anything. Forty minutes. Whoa. Well, just of course, and they're not telling me anything. So I think right. like, wow, they've really found something. Yeah. They're really going to town <laughs> I here. Am dying. When at the end of the day, they actually had found nothing. Okay. So then she's like, well, I don't know what's going on. And it could be a skin lesion. Or it could blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to send you for an MRI just to be safe. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, fine. I'm going to follow whatever you tell me. But then I go for the MRI yesterday. <laughs> and I no one told me that the MRI would involve them shooting contrast mm-hmm. into my blood. Mm-hmm. So I go and I'm literally walking back and they hand me this thing I'm supposed to sign and it oh. talks about the risks of the contrast mm-hmm. and the risks are it can live in your blood for up to a year. It can give you headaches. It can mm-hmm. give you dizziness. It can, you know, or you can be allergic to it and have your throat close up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I- I'm going to do this. I can do this. I can do this. I'm okay. I would have liked to Google this, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I lay down on the MRI table, like ready to go in. And then she brings the thing over and she's like, all right, I'm going to put this IV into your arm. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know why in my head, the contrast was going to be shot into my boob. Oh, right. I didn't realize this it's was a, full system, a full, full system, full body contrast. And then I, and I just, because I wasn't expecting it, I mm-hmm. freaked out. I started crying oh. and then I'm like, I cannot do this. And so I got a I got up and left and she was very sweet about it. Okay. That's good. And she was like, you know, I'm here for you. And she mm-hmm. goes, if you're not comfortable with this, you just need to go back to your doctor and tell them you want another mammogram in three mm-hmm. or six months. You mm-hmm. know, she's like, there's other ways to look at to this.
1: To monitor this.
0: So then I came home and really I was kind of on the fence. I just knew I needed some time to research to process this. process it. And so I researched it. And I mean, I got to tell you, I'm going to pull up an article here. It The research is a little fuzzy, like, yeah. there is a big debate in the medical com- community about whether or not this contrast mm-hmm. is toxic. Mm-hmm. And even in 2017, there were conversation, big conversations happening. Right. Um, there are people who have sued over right. thinking that they've got some longstanding issues. So I'm not sure yet what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I thought that they had seen a, a spot they were concerned was cancer.
1: Oh, yeah. I would be you doing would do it. it. You would do it. But because this is,
0: I think, literally chasing a shadow. (laughs) Yes. You know what I'm saying? And they saw nothing on the ultrasound. I'm a little bit like, I don't want. And here's the thing I actually don't think I'll have a toxic reaction. No. I think I'll be paranoid that I'm having a toxic reaction (laughs) for a year. No, you will. So every
1: headache, every dizziness, I will just be like, I'm. Oh, I'm poisoned. Will. Well, I have to tell you, you know, when you you mentioned this to me yesterday oh, no. on Boxer, and Did I was I? like, and, I, and I'm, you know, I've had that before. I've had um, the contrast uh-huh. injected. It was many, many years ago. Yeah. But of course, I'm like, maybe that's why I've had these headaches for so long. Shh. I'm the person that's had it for six years. I mean, so I get yeah. it. It's like, it's a mental. Yes. Mind. You know what? Yeah. I mean, it's just. Yeah. And so that's when you have to weigh it. I mean, a person that does not deal with health anxiety, mm-hmm. they can go in, get mm-hmm. it done. They forget about it. But people mm-hmm. like you and I that just go over and over and over and look up all the possible outcomes. I mean, it's not the 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 cons outweigh the pros. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, they did an ultrasound for 40 minutes and they could not find right. anything. Well, so. and I, I want to make sure that we don't sound lax about breast cancer screening because
0: oh, no, 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 it no. couldn't be further from the truth. What's yeah. just difficult is when you're in a situation like Sarah and I where you are flagged every single time. Right. And it's all—it's most of the time negative because of the dense breast tissue. Right. It, you know, you have to start weighing out reality yes. and risk. Exactly, you know, but we're but that being said, both of us are very on top of our breasts. Oh, we are getting screening. more
1: mammograms than oh anyone <laughs> out there. I mean, well, and that's the thing; it's like I know. So yet another perimenopausal <laughs> yes. thing because the 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 hormones are yep. what's causing this. These mm-hmm. like surges and crashes of hormones cause these cysts to get bigger and fill with the fluid. And yep. I mean, now I'm to the point where I just had um, I had seven drained last month. They thought it was one, but it was a cluster of seven. So they went ahead and drained all of them. But I was laying down in bed a couple nights ago and I kind of felt, and I, it's already filling up again. And I'm yeah. so frustrated yeah. because um, I don't mind having them. We've talked about this a million yeah. times. I don't mind having them, you know, but um, when they start making my breasts look disfigured right. because the cysts are actually bumping right. out of my breast tissue, I don't like that. right? And then I have to get them. And now I feel like it used to be once every six years and now it's like, once every year, if not twice, I'm having to have them drained. So frustrating. And then, fun fact, you can't get insurance because of this. No, I just figured it out. I mean, obviously, I already have health insurance, but we were yeah. looking to switch a change. plan, which yeah. was really exciting because it was saving us a lot of money, and then they... They heard fibrocystic breasts and they were like, decline. Like, it's not even a conversation. It's so it's, frustrating. It's just, it's super frustrating because there's no correlation between that and breast cancer. Right. But like you said, it's all about how many mammograms you're getting. They don't want to pay for all that treatment. Oh, I mean, all, well, them, all the diagnostics, I exactly. Say. Yeah. Exactly. Diagnostics sucks. are expensive. So expensive. Yeah. But I will say that, you know, this does all subside once you go through menopause. Yeah. It does. My mom had this when she really? went through menopause. There was never a cyst anymore. Yeah. So, like, there is, like, an – there is – there's there's an end point. Yes. Not for, like, 10 years. Oh, <laughs> man, who knows? But Lord. I guess, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I will
0: report back with what I decide. I'm gonna, I am going to talk to my doctor. And, you know, if he really, really wants me to go in, I'll go back in. Yeah. And if he's like, oh, okay, well, no, we can just do a, a mammogram again, then we'll do that. Perfect. Ugh. Anyway, well, okay. You said your Nespresso for yes. your, one of your thumbs up. What's your second?
1: Oh my gosh. Okay, so you know the whole guasha facial tool thing. Oh yeah, it's 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 rocking. There's yeah. so many different things. So there's two. There is a woman named Joanna Check. Okay, she's like one of the most famous facialists. She lives in Dallas, but she does like all the celebrities. She just came out with this like face roller thing where it's like a long handle and it has two balls. At the end, and it's you know it's about six inches long, and you massage your face with it. It can cause like lymphatic drainage or help sculpt, but it's like 190 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, I just don't know. And there's this other thing. Do you remember? You know Patrick Dempsey, his wife yeah. Jillian, who's a makeup artist. Yeah. Jillian Dempsey. Uh-huh. She came out with this thing where it's this little tool that's actually battery operated that has like a very small um, rectangular um, end that vibrates uh-huh. that you kind of work around your oh. face and it helps sculpt around your cheekbones. Huh. It's $200. Uh-huh. So both of these things, I'm like, I really want these things, yeah. but I'm not going to buy these things. Right. Well, I went on Amazon and I think honestly that these women saw these things on Amazon and they decided- They decide, repackaged them. They repackaged them. And they, totally. probably, they probably are using a better material. Sure. I'm, sure I mean, sure. I don't even know what the heck mine's made out of. Yeah. But you can buy both of these tools- the, the rollerball one uh-huh. and the vibrating one. Both uh-huh. of them. Yep. For $15. I believe it. On I Amazon. totally believe and it. And I did it. Yep. Because I was like, you know what? If I do see results, then maybe I will pony up. Yeah. To use like her titanium one opposed to one that literally like, – this is gold plated. I mean, I don't even know – this is like asbestos <laughs> in solid form <laughs> plated with gold. I don't know what I'm putting on my face, but I wanted to see like if I saw a lift. Right. And it does. I mean, it just chisels so well. It feels so good for headaches the whole thing. Oh. So anyway, that is my, that's my two thumbs up because it is two and one for $15.99. Nice. So right, like you well, can kind of figure out if you like it.
0: We're gonna. I'm going to buy that and then we'll link it up. Do it. All right. Well, my two thumbs up. First of all, I have a weighted blanket to recommend. If you guys have not tried a weighted blanket, they are amazing for anxiety, for just calming you down. They're really cozy. Um, A weighted blanket is kind of like having a heavy comforter, but without all of the heat. And what I love about this specific weighted blanket um, is that it is a temperature balancing weighted blanket. So again, it gives you that heaviness without making you hot in the summer. Um, It's by Tranquility. And what I really also love about it is it has a washable cover. Um, So that is my first thumbs up. My second is, okay, I love um, essential oils. I don't think they solve, you know, cancer. Um, But I like putting, I like roll on essential oils. And I like dabbing them on my wrist just as like a little sanity break or soother. Um, And so I got two that I really love, um... Recently, they are by Plant Juice and they actually both have about 50 milligrams of CBD in them. Um, But the first one is their blend called Doze Off Sleep Blend and it's really nice. It has lavender, it has marjoram um, and I dab this on right before I go to sleep as sort of a part of my sleep ritual because I'm trying to get more sleep and better sleep doing a whole nighttime ritual to signal to my body and my brain. Hey, calm down. Um, so anyway, and then the second one is the plant juice, um, stress relief, and it's called get a grip, which I love. And it has blue tansy in it, which if you've never smelled it before has an amazing scent. Um, and then this one also has, let me see what else is in this one. It smells so good. Um, also lavender, bergamot, frankincense, and a little bit of patchouli. So um, plant juice oils, they have all kinds of rollers um, for different needs. Um, Go with the flow for when you're on your period. Um, Tension breaker, rev up the energy. Um, They're cute. They're portable. They're in little glass blue bottles with rollers, and they have just a tiny bit of CBD in them as well. now a word from one of our sponsors. With summer upon us, it's a great time to make health and wellness a priority again. Care Of makes it easy to upgrade your health routine, whether you're looking for energy, better sleep, or just coping with stress. Care Of's online quiz lets you know exactly what you need in the way of vitamins. You answer easy questions like, how much sleep are you getting? Are you looking for more energy? Do you need something to help support weight management? It's a very personalized quiz to help you with your own customized, science-backed recommendations for daily vitamins. It can be really hard to know what vitamins and supplements you should be taking, but Care/of makes it very easy. What I really love about Care/of is that they deliver the vitamins and supplement packs in a customized box right to your door every month. The packaging is super cute. You have a packet that you take every single day. I've been using it for several months, and it truly has helped me up my game. They now offer protein powders in individual packets for on the go, all personalized to your fitness goals and dietary preferences. If you'd like to try it, take 25% off your first Care-of order by going to takecareof.com and enter the code SELFIE. That's takecareof.com and the code SELFIE for 25% off your first order. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically Tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and Tretinoin is the active Ingredient in night shift. This is the only FDA approved retinoid for treating photo aging, which is premature skin aging due to long term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com With two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid. So you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. Well, I'm going to be chatting with Heather Hansen today. Heather is the author of a book called The Elegant Warrior. She is an advocate for people finding their voice, and she does lots and lots of speaking on self-advocacy. She also has a podcast called The Elegant Warrior. Um, She has been a trial attorney for 20 years, and she also has a psych degree. So I'm fascinated to talk to her about all of this. Heather, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Uh, Thank you for having me, Kristen. love this podcast and excited to be on and to talk with your tribe.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, one of the things that seems to come up repeatedly when we talk about the relational aspects of self-care is this concept of boundaries. Um, and I am just really curious to hear from you how, you know, both in your professional and personal life, how you have come to conceptualize boundaries
2: and best practice for having them. I love that you led with that question because we talk about self-care and we think manicures, pedicures, facials, and yet the most important part of self-care before you can take care of any of the other things and really be caring for yourself, you've got to set boundaries. It takes setting boundaries to get out of the house and away from your kids just to get the facial and the manicure and the pedicure. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So it's, it's really important and it's, it's something I talk about in the book because I learned how to set boundaries in the courtroom. When we object in the courtroom, we're setting a boundary. You know, don't go there. You're crossing a line. And I had difficulty doing that at first in the courtroom. I was I was reluctant. I looked to the judge for permission. I looked around to the other attorneys for validation. And once I learned how to do it in the courtroom, it became much easier for me to do it outside the courtroom. And I Mm. think that a lot of the things... That you do are the same. You yeah. know, in the courtroom, we have to stand up to object. And I think sometimes when it comes to setting boundaries in our personal lives, we have to make sure that we're using our bodies and speaking confidently and making sure that our body language reflects the fact that this is a boundary we want to set.
0: And some of that I, th- I feel like too, even in our body language or our or voice is, That a boundary isn't a question. And I think we as women have kind of been socialized to like, well, you know, when we set a boundary, we'll say like, well, I'm thinking I might not (laughs) want to do this. And we raise our voice at the end like it's a question. And I love that idea of objecting as like, no, this is a
2: statement. That's right. Well and it's so funny that you say that. So in the book I talk about my first object and, and I knew, I mean Kristen, you know we know, especially women, we know when we want to object. We know when something is crossing the line. We know it in our heads, we know it in our hearts, we know it in our guts. and I knew I was in the courtroom and I knew that something the opposing attorney was saying was objectionable. So I stood up, which is what we have to do to object, but then I sat back down. And then I stood up, and then I sat back down. I looked like a wacko lawyer, but I was, <laughs> but I was afraid. I was afraid that I was going to be wrong. I was afraid that the judge would yell at me in front of the jury. I was afraid that the jurors would think less of me. All of those things had me doubting myself, and the equivalent of what you just said—you know, objecting with a question mark—and unfortunately, at that young age, it took the judge looking at me and sort of giving me the eye that said, "You know, object already." that I finally did hop up and object. But that taught me that I really, if I was going to serve my clients well, I really needed to learn how to do that. And I think so many women, I know women listening, you're so good at advocating for the people around you. You will object when it's for your kids. You'll object when it's for your colleagues. But when it comes to objecting for ourselves, we have a much harder time. It's so true. It's
0: it's funny, I was talking... Um, with a friend about this very thing the other day and how sometimes if we can look at a situation we are in and place our friend in that situation and yes. what advice we'd give our friend, our perspective is really different for what we would put up with than for oh, ourselves.
2: You, you, you keep leading me right down the roads. I want to go. The <laughs> thing that I, t- the thing that I tell women and especially women, but it's a lot of people have this issue is that pretend you're hiring yourself as your advocate. So you take that step away, you know, pretend that you're advocating for your child when you're advocating for yourself or pretend that you've paid yourself to go out and do that. There's actually studies that show that when we talk about ourselves in the third person, we are more likely to succeed. We're more likely to do the things that we say that we're going to do. We're more likely to have confidence. And so I often say, hire yourself to be your advocate. And what would you do if you paid yourself, if you paid someone to do this, what would they do? What would you want them to do? What would you want them to say? Because you know better than anyone else knows what needs to be said, what you object to and how you want to object. You just have that reluctance to say it. So pretend that you're paying someone to do it. What would they say? How would they say it? And then find it within yourself to speak up and do that. And it gets easier and easier every time you do it.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. I love that idea of being your own
2: like consultant. Yeah, hire yourself. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love
2: it. Yeah, It's tough. You
0: mentioned in that scenario when you were, you know, first like finding your voice to object that you had this kind of overwhelming fear of being wrong. And I think that resonates with a lot of women. Like we are just, we are so scared of being wrong that we'd rather be trampled. Then you know maybe be wrong. So how do we combat that like deep seated fear of like what if I what if I say something and it's not right?
2: Yeah, I always feel as though the best answer to combating some of these things is more knowledge. So there's a great book that. Um, you have, I know you're a voracious reader like I am it's called the confidence code uh yeah. by Katie Kay and Claire Shipman and they talk about that study that's often quoted a study that shows that if there's a job up there men will apply for the job if they have something like and I may have these numbers a little off but something like half of the qualifications they'll be like oh I'm fine I'm going to apply where women won't apply unless they have 100% of the qualifications yeah. and that gets to your point of you know so afraid of being wrong and and Katie Kay and Claire Shipman talk about it as a lack of confidence but others who have studied that same that same phenomenon say it's also that women are rule followers mm. we're so afraid of breaking the rules that so we're true. unwilling to to speak up and so i think for me when i had read these studies and became aware of the fact that i was doing this it made it easier to stop doing it You know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. if you know that something is really bad for you, I used to drink a ton of diet soda. And then finally I had enough knowledge to be like, come on, you know, that this is not, it's eating away your insides. (laughs) So you've got to cut it out. And it's the same thing with this. Like, you know, that you are giving up these opportunities to people who are more willing to break the rules and who have a little bit more confidence. And do you really want to do that? So I think that for women it's it's not, you know, you're never gonna be like, well, I'm a hundred percent I'm not wrong. And if you only speak up when you're a hundred percent you're not wrong, you're not going to extend your comfort zone and get the things that you want. So you just have to go in with the knowledge that other people are wrong too. Yeah. None of us know what's going on.
0: And it's okay. I mean, it reminds me of that meme. I think it's like, God grant me the confidence of a mediocre white man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that's right, but but there's nothing, you know. I I, I give a lot of talks to females, and um, I last year I was speaking to a group of female spine surgeons, and they are a very small percentage of spine surgeons. And I said to them, you know, women are so competent. You know, they they know the rules, they follow the rules, Mm -hmm. they want to make sure they're ultra prepared. And if we had as much confidence as some of these men do, we would rule the world. And so it is absolutely imperative. And again, if you won't do it for yourself, do it for the other women around you. Do it for your children or your nieces or your nephews or your sisters, because the more that you speak up, the more the women around you will see that as permission to do the same.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. So, talk to me about what is what is an elegant warrior. I love that name, but what what does that really mean?
2: (laughs) So, in my in my cases, um, I defend doctors in medical malpractice cases, and so these cases are enormously emotional and very upsetting, and the patients are extremely sympathetic. Um, And the cases can be very hard, and yet in the courtroom, it is my job to advocate for my client with everything I have, and that's the warrior side. of me. But there's also the part of me that's kind and compassionate and uh, generous and who wants to soothe someone who's hurting. And for me, that's the elegant part of me. And so the book is really about how do we, you know, stand up for ourselves, set our boundaries, fight those trials that we have to fight, and still be true to who we are, our compassionate, kind, mm-hmm. elegant selves. And I don't pretend to have the answers. You know, some days you're a warrior and some days you're elegant. But on the best days, Kristen, I'm walking the tightrope between the two.
0: Well, and I kind of love that you know, what you're doing really is is acknowledging that we can have compassion in the midst of conflict. And I think a lot mm. of times people think those two things are mutually exclusive. But, you know, we can be compassionate in the midst of conflict. We can be compassionate in the midst of holding boundaries.
2: That's it. I, you know, I often say that it's my job in the courtroom to take away the other side's story to attack the other side's story, but never to attack their dignity or their person. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference. And so you can set a boundary to an action that doesn't have to be cruel to the person who's doing the action. And sometimes that means leaving. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be cruel either. But you're right. We We can set boundaries. We can be true to ourselves and still engage in conflict when it's necessary.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, I think that's yet another area where we've been socialized as women is really to push away from conflict or that, you know, being conflictual or even assertive is bad or wrong.
2: And we think it's conflict when a lot of other people wouldn't think so. Isn't that right? Oh, my gosh. We always think like, oh, they must be mad when the person isn't even thinking about you at all. One of the things that I find so interesting in my job is that as patients – we tend not to be strong advocates for ourselves and i really encourage people to do that because just as you know you mentioned that we're often afraid of speaking up because we think we're wrong we're also afraid of speaking up because we think the other p- person has some sort of position of authority mm-hmm. and i encourage everybody to to stop looking at things that way and to recognize that you are the only one who can speak up state what you need and talk to people like doctors teachers Um, All those people that we were sort of taught as children are in positions of authority are really just our partners in trying to figure out what's best for our health, our best for our education and so forth.
0: That's good. That is hard, though. It is really hard to speak. I mean, I even struggle at the ha- at the hairstylist, you know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally hear you. It's, you know, I mean, there's so much of this that's socialization. And I think that it will change, especially for girls as as this younger generation gets older. But we were raised to be liked and to be nice and to be polite. Yep. But you can be all of those things and still speak up for yourself. And the person on the other side... Side of it doesn't see it as confrontation. I think that that's the bottom line. We think we're being confrontational. All they see it as is, is asking questions.
0: Yeah. Well, and I have found for myself too, it's there are times that other people might think I'm being confrontational and I need to just let that go. Like if yes. I'm yes, and this is a big one, I have found if I'm stating a fact and someone finds that confront, you know it's maybe it's an mm. unflattering fact, but I'm stating a fact. And then people would be like, well, you don't need to like, you know, call me out. And it's like, well, no, I just actually was stating a fact, <laughs> right. like repeating an actual thing that happened. So I think some of that is just giving ourselves permission to let other people think that maybe we're confrontive or aggressive because if we are not being winsome as we've been socialized, sometimes we can get a lot of weird projection from other people.
2: Yeah. And it's, and it's so interesting, Kristen, because I still struggle with this in my personal life, but never do I struggle with it in the courtroom. And, you know, there's studies that show that it's, there's, it's an HBR, Harvard Business Review study that showed that when women and men were asked to negotiate, men were more likely to do things that might be ethically questionable when they were negotiating for themselves. Women, on the other hand, would not do these things that were ethically questionable when they were negotiating for themselves, but they would, when they were negotiating for others. And That's I think that we, there's so much that we're willing to do for others than we won't yeah. do for ourselves. You know, That's we're so willing true. to look confrontational for our children. Oh, we're gosh, willing yeah. to look. Yeah. So I think that again, you've got to sort of remove yourself and, and say that you are hiring yourself to handle this problem. And how would you want it handled if you were paying someone to do it? Someone with your skills, your knowledge, your opinions, your voice and, and you know, step up and take care of it.
0: Well, you mentioned, you know, learning to advocate for ourselves, you know, with professionals, with doctors. What are other areas where you find, you know, women who maybe even who aren't in the workforce, but maybe in their personal lives, areas where women need to step up and learn to advocate for themselves more?
2: I mean, it, you know, it always, it always starts and ends in relationships. Yeah. You know, relationships are really the biggest part of what I call the divine curriculum. We learn the most about ourselves and our capabilities and we grow the most in our relationships. But it's, but it's hard. And it's especially hard, whether you're in the workforce or not, you know, if you're, if you're at home and dealing with children, if you're at work, and you're dealing with clients, customers, or colleagues, you're at the end of the day, you're sort of spent, your resources are gone. And then to have to advocate for yourself, sometimes we just say, uncle, I'm tired, whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to do. And that's not that's when you do 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 want to draw those boundaries and set those lines. It's not a good example for the people around you. No. And so advocating in our personal relationships is as important, if not more important than advocating for ourselves at work.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And yet, as you mentioned, it can be even harder than advocating at work.
2: Oh, for sure. It, because you have to live with the person. Yeah. You know, at work, you can, you can walk away. But at home, right. and you have to... And the other thing that's hard about advocating for yourself at home is that there has to be compromise. Mm-hmm. You know, it, in relationships, a big part of relationships is compromise. And so, you know, one of the positives about that is I always say when I walk into the courtroom, I know that at the end of the case, someone leaves a loser. And that's a terrible feeling. But in our relationships, hopefully, most of the time, we can come to a win-win. But, you know, sometimes it takes some bending and bending doesn't always feel good. Yeah. The, you know, my biggest piece of advice on that is to, instead of looking at it as a confrontation, approach it with curiosity and ask a lot of questions. So everyone loves this story from the book and I love it too. And it's not my story really. There's um, a woman named judge Rosemary Aquilina and she was the judge in the Larry Nasser case about all those um, young gymnasts who were molested by mm-hmm. that doctor. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of that trial, Kristen only about 50 women planned to come forward and most of them didn't want to use their names. By the end of the hearing over 150 women came forward and the majority of them did use their names. Mm. And I attribute that to the judge. And one question that she asked that I think can change your relationships and the way that you can advocate for yourself and your relationships. When the women would come before her, she didn't say, what do I need to know? She didn't say, tell me what happened to you. She didn't say, what do you have to say? She said, tell me what you want me to know.
0: Mm. Oh, that's a powerful question.
2: It changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah. It puts, you know, it really allows you when you're having what you think is a confrontation with your partner or your children or your family members, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, to take a step back and realize that what you're seeing and hearing may not be what the person you think you're fighting with wants you to see and hear. Mm.
0: Yeah, that is so true. That's good words.
2: And it's not, it, it changes advocacy because, you know, One of the key things that I teach when I do my work with teaching people how to be better advocates is to ask better questions. Mm -hmm. Because my case is I give an opening and that's a statement. The argument is at the end and that's just a little bit. And the rest of the entire case, all I do is ask questions. Mm -hmm. You can ask questions to win and really make it so that there's not so much confrontation.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, questions are powerful. The right questions are very powerful.
2: Yeah, they really can help you to set boundaries because sometimes, you know, if say, for example, you really need some time off to go for a run and your partner is saying, well, I want some time off as well. And instead of getting into a fight about it, if you just start saying, well, what, tell me what your schedule looks like. How can we both get what we want? what are your plans Mm -hmm. for later on this evening? I mean, question after question after question until you come to a compromise. They're there. It's just using the questions to get there.
0: Oh, that's really good. That's good. Well, Heather, I am really excited to dive into your book. I know it is full of interesting courtroom stories that kind of globalize into great advice for everyone. Um, Where can people find your book?
2: It's everywhere. So it's on Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble. It's at most of your local bookstores. You can also order it on my website, which is heatherhansenpresents.com. I also do a blog on the website. Uh, It used to be weekly. This summer, I've cut back to uh, about every two weeks or so. And the blog has more tips for advocating for yourself, how to use your body language, how to use your tone of voice. So all of that's there as well.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for talking with us.
2: Thank you for having me, Kristen. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us over at Instagram at at selfie podcast and make sure to join our uber supportive community that we love on Facebook by searching for selfie podcast community.
1: You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes that you can catch up with us next week. Special thanks to Shepherd Audio for providing our music. Take care.